Hold please. The naked golfist now driving. Welcome to the Knackered Golfist. Happy New Year to your golfing public. Their golfing, your golfing, whatever you call it. What should I say? Your golfing uh, hobbyists out there. Hope you had a great Christmas and a happy New Year. It's 2021, and this is probably the first episode of the Knackered Golfist podcast. And I'm waiting for my son to come back in here and tell me a story about his dream that he had a few nights ago about, how should I say, it's not golf related. I have to say that he had dreams of being driven around in a Bugatti Veyron because we are huge Top Gear fans. The old Top Gear, I gotta make that clear, with Jeremy James and Richard. And... um just uh got done with my day and i'm actually on my way out to go to the to go to the uh, supermarket to get some uh necessary roughage to sort of clean out the uh the christmas sort of hangover food that we had all over christmas and new years so we got to get some roughage in us to help us you know do you know what we have to do so i was thinking today about what's your favorite shot that you've ever seen um I have a video that's out on my YouTube channel called The Knackered Golfist on YouTube. And I have a video where I do a bit of commentating myself. Hang on a second. Let me put this more in position. Oh, man down. Station 51. Station 51. Man down. Anyway, uh, I have a YouTube video where I talk about the second shot at... 13 during the 1996 Masters where Greg Norman collapsed and Nick Faldo uh, took the lead and won the tournament. So his probably the most pivotal shot that I've ever seen him make was on 13 at Augusta National. And it's the second shot that uh, that is either you get on in two or you lay up or whatever. Well, as far as I remember, Ken Venturi really, really kept going on and on and on and on and on and on and on about how Nick Faldo was approaching the shot. And what eventually happened was he was thinking that he needed to hit a five wood, which I, I think I could be wrong, a five wood into the green to get close to the pin for Eagle. But what what eventually happened is that he had a little bit of indecision and he had a few times where he took the club back and his ball his ball was above his feet and he brought Fanny I mean Fanny Sinison was his caddy and he uh he had to do a few re-racks I guess how you how you call it um you got to re-rack your brain about this shot because it's 13 at Augusta you have a small creek running in front of the green that sort of goes away from you sort of you know, from left to right. And I would say that the pin was probably cut in front, right. If not front center, if I'm, if I remember correctly, but the year before Ben Crenshaw was sort of down closer to the uh, Creek on 13. And he had an approach shot that he hit, but he pulled it and he was yelling at himself, you know, don't pull it. 
and he pulled it and he missed the green, but he ended up winning the tournament because Harvey Penick was in his bag after the um, after he passed away the week before. So it was a, it's a spiritual it's a spiritual sort of place in my opinion. You got twelve. I'm sorry. You have the second shot at eleven. You have all of twelve, and you have all of thirteen that makes up Amen Corner at Augusta National, and. The thing about the shot that Nick Faldo had for the second shot at uh, 13 was that his ball was above his feet. There were, I mean, this is this is sort of crazy, but there were actually fans in the gallery. Can you imagine fans in the gallery? Wow. But uh, I don't know if they were giving him uh, a bit of flack for being a European and they don't want him to win or whatever, and they're Greg Norman fans. I don't know. But... He eventually, the ball was just above his feet, but he backed off like three times. And he kept saying, well, you know, it's too much of an angle. And so he eventually hit what I think is a three iron. Uh, I'm, I'm, I originally thought it was a two iron, but now I, I'm thinking more about it. I think it might have been a three iron. I don't know the yardage, but he hit this three iron. He, he piped it. He hit the straightest shot I've ever seen him hit, and it was just like no big deal. But it's amazing because the ball was above his feet, and you know how you come down where the ball's above your feet, and you have a risk of hitting it on the toe and having it go left. He was able to, I would assume, just keep the face open just a little bit so it doesn't so it doesn't uh, draw or hook, as it were, and he was able to get it on the green. And so I think the result of the shot was he may have hit it on the slope in the back of the green and the ball sort of made its way down the slope to, I think he may have had 25 to 30 footer for Eagle. I don't know that whole scenario after he hit that shot, but um, if you check out my video, I've got 28,000 views on it and I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm a bit tickled by it because there's a bunch of people saying that I talk too much. And then there are people who say, you know what? I really appreciate your opinion on that uh, viewpoint because that was an amazing and pivotal shot that Nick Faldo hit in 96 because that was Greg Norman. That was Greg Norman's uh, tournament to lose. And after listening to Peter Costas being on the No Laying Up podcast, he actually noticed there was an issue with the Greg Norman's left grip, um, where it was it was strong in the beginning of the week, then it eventually got weaker and weaker and weaker. He was able to sort of salvage his round on Saturday, but then it all came apart on Sunday. And so, if you haven't heard the story, um, I guess from what I heard about it on Peter Co on the No Laying Up podcast with Peter Costas, which by the way is an amazing eye-opening uh podcast both the first podcast that i think aired in it could have been february of, of 2020 and then there's the second airing the part two peter costas interview where i think it could have been while we were in the covid lockdown it could have been may or june or something like that or even july i don't know but I thought it was fascinating because he actually predicted that Norman was going to collapse because of the whole uh, strong or sorry, strong grip in the beginning, weaker grip and weaker, weaker, weaker grip. And then he eventually collapsed on Sunday. So 
I thought that was fascinating. I thought it was fascinating that, and, and so he was talking to Brian Hammond, who was on the golf channel and, uh, you know, apparently, which was sort of per sort of journalistic rules. If you get a story, you gotta, you gotta, you know, take the story and run with it. But I guess the golf channel had bought some airtime locally in Augusta, Georgia that week. And I guess Greg Norman saw that, uh, that Brian Hammond revealed to the world that Greg Norman could collapse. And I guess Greg Norman was watching and, and I guess he called and Greg Norman was pissed off about this uh, revelation. And so he called, he decided to call Frank Chikinian of CBS sports or CBS sports golf and just, you know, rip him a new one with, uh, with the whole Peter Costas thing. And, and Costas comes back and he says, you know what? He's, He's on pace to win the Masters. He's got to face the Augusta National Golf Club on Sunday of the Masters, and he's calling Frank Trichinian. Does that show where his head is? I don't know. So I'm just fascinated. I, 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 I heard last week that Greg Norman had got the COVID, and I really, really hope he's doing better. Um, I, you know, he's a great, he's a great asset to the game of golf and I really hope that he pulls through and I really hope that, um, that he's doing better now. So, um, but anyway, what's your favorite golf shot? What's your favorite golf shot that you've ever taken or that you've ever seen as part of either being in a gallery at a PGA tour tournament or doing it yourself? What's your favorite golf shot that you've ever seen? You know, Nick Faldo. And then after I watched my video again this today, I watched his little interview. What was the greatest shot that Nick Faldo ever hit? It was the final. It was the second shot at 18 at Muirfield in 92, where he just, he completely buttered a three iron into the middle of the green. It actually went through the green, but he had, eventually he won the, uh, the British open I keep, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. It's called the British Open. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm old school. I'm calling it the British Open. It's, I'm not going to say the Open because in 1993, I watched the tournament uh, broadcast on ABC Sports and they had a bit of satellite difficulties and they had a graphic on the screen that says British Open with the British flag in the right hand corner. I'm sorry. I'm calling it the British Open. All right. The British Open is the way I'm calling it. All of the naysayers that are saying, you got to call it the Open. You got to call it the Open, man. I'm sorry. The British Open, I call, and you know what? I call the U.S. Open the U.S. Open. I don't call the U.S. Open the Open. I call the U.S. Open the U.S. Open. Now, Ken Venturi called it the, oh my God, I won the Open. And as far as I know, when he won at Congressional, when it was 135, 135 degrees and 100% humidity, he won it at Congressional. God, what year was that? Was it 65? 64, 65? Oh, man. Anyway, he won the Open. Sorry, he won the U.S. Open. And I think that was the only major he ever won. So... My other complaint that I'm getting on this video that I have on YouTube is that Ken Venturi was talking too much. Now, I have to say that he is the, how do you call it, the gold standard as far as, 
as far as former player color commentator goes, Ken Venturi was the man back then. He was the man. He did it with Pat Summerall back in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. And I, I think he sort of retired in the early 2000s. And then Lanny Watkins was there. And then Lanny Watkins did his deal. And then they, and then, gosh, Nick Faldo's been there for 10 years. Nick Fal- and, and then of all people, the, the of all people, the shot that I'm talking about is Nick Faldo. And he happens to be the CBS golf color commentator on the CBS radio network. I mean, the CBS television network. This is CBS. Anyway, um. I'm just tickled. Um, I'm actually able to talk about golf and there's nobody in the room to tell me to shut up. Isn't that great? So I hope you guys heard my latest podcast episode where I interviewed PGA Master Professional Tim Havoncheck about his new book, which I am currently in the middle of. It's called Heaven's Nice, Been There Twice by Tim Havoncheck with Chris Macias. And I recommend the book. I think that it's a, uh, a worthwhile trip into the experience that that gentleman had in back on March 9th, 2010, where he had a near death experience and he, um, he basically, I'm reading the first, I'm, I'm basically, uh, I think I'm about 35, 40 pages in and it's, there's a lot of history of his career and his life where he talks about being a caddy back in Cleveland, Ohio at Aurora Hills Country Club. And I just think it's fascinating that just to hear this perspective. And I think it's cool because he talks about some of the places he worked at. And he, he worked at Inverary in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And that happens to be where... Jackie Gleason had a tournament um, back in the 70s. And I remember seeing a video from 1976, and it was Jackie Gleason driving around his golf cart at Inverary, smoking a cigarette. It looked like a Rolls Royce. And this was sort of state-of-the-art for 1976. He had he had his gold golf clubs, and he had his, his either a Cadillac, um, what do you call it, golf cart, and it was all open top, you know, you, you, you didn't have any sort of sun shading over there because everybody wanted to be warm because they're all from New York and they can't stand the cold. Bring me down to Florida where it's warm and I don't have to wear a hat. So the 70s wasn't really high up on people wearing hats as far as I've seen. That goes for the 80s as well. So I'm a big proponent in wearing hats on the golf course because I think it's a responsibility to your skin later in life because I happen to be fair skinned. And I think wearing a hat is necessary and it's a good judge of, you know, hey, just, I mean, despite my, I, I don't tan and I, and I burn really easily. And so I have to wear a hat. So that's, that's a given for me. So anyway, um, where was I going? What am I up to right now? This is 15 minutes into episode such and such of the Knacker Golfist podcast. And I'm just rambling. You know, what do you guys think of Eric Anders Lang? You know, Eric Anders Lang, I love the guy's videos. You know, the guy doesn't shave. He, he's he got a, a tailor-made sort of visor that's from the 80s and he's wearing around. You know, he used to live in L.A. 
And then he moved to Austin, Texas. And now he's producing his random golf club videos uh, from Austin, Texas. And I really, you know, I love the stuff that he comes up with. I love the, um, the stories that he has. I love the sort of hidden gems that he's able to find all around the world. He's sponsored by United Airlines. And that's he's done the scratch videos. He's done the random golf club videos. And he's done a whole bunch of adventures in golf videos for United Airlines. I think it's great. I love how... I love that how he's from L.A. And he actually was able to um, go to some of the places that I used to go to when I was, you know, living down there. And one place in particular is that um, I love Santa Anita Golf Course. And he did one, he did a video from Santa Anita Golf Course where um, he just go, he just went out and played. And it's a very hilly, undulating sort of golf course. And it's sort of, it's really sort of, um, I mean, it's, everything's covered in kukui grass down there. It's good. It's a great sort of fairway grass, I think. The ball sits up really well, and it's a really good golf uh, grass, in my opinion. I mean, if if the grass gets on a green, you know, that's another, that's another story. Because when I was down there, we used to have to... I used to work at DeBell Golf Course and Alhambra Golf Course, and eventually... Well, I did work at Riviera for like a month and a half, but we I did internship... Well, anyway, I did... I worked at Tustin Ranch for a little bit. I worked at Industry Hills. This was all while I was while I was going to school. But anyway, at DeBell and at Alhambra, we used to edge the greens because the Kukui would be coming into the green and you would have to edge the Kukui out. You would have to take an edger around these Poa Annua greens and actually edge the Kukui out to try to keep it from coming in. It's it's gonna happen. You know, it's going to happen no matter what you do. Kukui is going to take over. If you put your leg down for a period of like five minutes or so, the Kukui will grow up your leg. That's what I heard. You know, that's a little shout out to uh, a USGA guy that I knew that was uh, that was all about turf grass research. Anyway, um, I think that uh, the, what I love about Santa Anita is that you have the sort of ambiance of the track, the horse track that is sort of maybe a half a mile away down Huntington Drive, just a little bit more. It's sort of, it turns into like a one lane road and then it sort of wraps its way around the raceway and then it sort of comes back the other way and it becomes, it's actually, it's Route 66 is what it is. And so that's sort of, that's, that's all Arcadia, California. That's all old school, old time Arcadia, California. And Phil Hendry, by the way, is from Arcadia, and I'm a huge Phil Hendry fan. If you don't know who Phil Hendry is, look him up. He he's uh, he's a radio genius, and I and I've always wanted to try to emulate him. But uh, you know, but with this podcast, who knows? Anyway, so uh, San Anita Golf Course is an amazing place because it has a huge putting green, and it has huge it has 18 holes on this putting green and it's huge it's the size of it's about the size of two of the greens that are out there on the course i would say it's about two greens uh size kind of thing take one green put it right next to another one and then you have the big practice green that's at san anita anyway it's sort of a um it's sort of a uh how do you call it a slightly undulating sort of green that i love 
you can just practice any sort of thing. And what I would also, I, I wish they, I think they still use the standard plastic golf cups that are cut, you know, perfectly pretty much the whole time. But right now it's in LA County. And I think they may have, they may be doing the upside down thing because of the whole COVID stuff. But another cool thing is that they've had these little pins that are in the green. They've had them for at least 25, if not 30 years, and they and they still have them. Their their pin, their their Packer screen pins that actually go into the hole. It's like a the white sort of plastic goes into the hole. There's a, a, a sort of a, a a rod that comes out of the hole, and then it goes into like a a plastic green sort of uh, bit at the top that is sort of made to look like a golf ball for you able to reach down there, pick it up with your hand and move it to the side for you to practice your putting. So I just, I used to, I used to work at, I used to work in like the San Fernando Valley and also over in Valencia, Santa Clarita. And I lived in Azusa and West Covina. I used to stop there when the traffic was really bad on the 210 i would stop there and just putt for like an hour and i would just putt there and i would it was just great and i and i loved it it was great in the winter time when you could see the mountains you could see uh mount wilson off to the off to the i think it's the north i think if i'm not mistaken but I just loved going there. You know, Santa Anita Golf Course, if you ever get the chance, go to that putting green and, and have a great time on that putting green. You could be there for hours. And there's there's just, you know, you got the driving range there. you got guys teeing off on number one. you got the pro shop talking over the loudspeaker. You know, such and such, uh, you're one on the first tee kind of thing. Anyway, um... How do I, where do I go with this? So I, I'm a fan of Eric Anders Lang and I like that he was able to sort of open up the sort of hidden gem golf scene in Southern California. You know, I, when I was down there, I, I have a few regrets. I never went to Roosevelt golf course, which I think was in Griffith park. And there's also this, this video that he has where it's just this little neighborhood park in the middle of Bel Air. And it's like right next to the Bel Air country club, but it's like, a little park where people walk their dogs, their million dollar dogs, and they walk around and there's a little like nine hole pitch and putt sort of course that um, it costs like $2 to play or something like that. But um, it's it's a, a, a quite a bit smaller than the par three course at DeBell Golf Course in Burbank. But I really miss, I, I sort of miss that sort of, golf scene in in january february because it was it was cool you know you could golf down there and you would have really really good decent you would have decent conditions down there just to even practice golf and i I miss that i hope to be able to go down there and revisit that maybe i'll make a video of my time at the uh, santa anita golf course putting green you know i love that stuff being able to go to another town you know, once this COVID stuff gets done, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do. Am I just going to go nuts and go everywhere like Eric Anders Lang? I don't know. I, I don't have the budget for that. I, I might go I might go somewhere on Southwest Airlines, not United Airlines, to, to freaking Nepal. That's the last video I saw of him last night was he met this young lady uh, at Nepal Golf Club. And she was the number one ranked golfer in Nepal. And um, it was really fun. 
You know, I love that sort of stuff. He, I love documentaries and I love how you, it sort of brings you there, even though you can't go kind of thing. So anyway, I hope you're all doing well. Happy New Year 2001. And this is sort of a uh, how you doing? You know, what's your favorite golf moment that you've ever seen? Oh, and by the way, my most spectacular golf shot that I've ever seen was a shot that I hit myself. It happens to be a golf shot that my son picked up with my iPhone that I actually have on my YouTube channel called the Knackered Golfist, where it's it's the number 18 at Diamond Oaks Golf Course here in Roseville, California. And it's the second shot that I had at Diamond Oaks on the 18th hole. And anyway... Um, the, the shot that I had is I, I had a, I used my persimmon driver to hit the drive out on this, on this number one handicap hole. It's the hardest hole on the course. It's a long par four. I think the core, I think the hole is like 450 yards, something like that. Anyway, you get on the green. If you make par in this hole, it's a good score. But with me, what I did is I hit my drive with my persimmon it sort of flared out to the right, but it ended up, it ended up in the right side of the fairway. And so what happened was, is that I had my set of Ben Hogan Apex irons from 1974, and I pulled out my one iron. I pulled out my one iron, and what I did is I hit my shot of my life at that moment, and I hit a stinger from that position to about two feet, two and a half feet from the hole on that, on that hole. And if you don't, and if you haven't seen it on my YouTube channel, check it out. It has a lot fewer views than I would like because it's a, an amazing shot. Somebody actually commented like, Hey man, that shot was nothing. That was a worm burner. Excuse me. I think you're wrong, sir. I beg to differ. I hit that shot and it was a shot of my life. And so it, it, the shot was amazing. And I did a slow motion of it. My son did some brilliant camera work on that. And I had like a little Steve Elkington finish. It was so cool. So anyway, the ball was like, I hit, I struck the ball and it could have been, it could have been, gosh, it looked like in the beginning, you could see the ball rise in the video and you could eventually see it go out of play, uh, going towards a tree that I was aiming at. But it was an unbelievable shot. It, it was, I had, gosh, what was the yardage? I think it could have been, it could have been 210 yards, something like that. So I had a 210-yard one iron that was from 1974, a Ben Hogan Apex with a number four shaft. I freaking nuked that ball. And I eventually, it was a downhill putt for birdie and I made it. And that was the best shot and putt that I ever had on that hole. I got a birdie on number 18 at Diamond Oaks. And I'm here and I don't care who knows it. So anyway, um, that's it for the knackered golfist, I think, unless I can think of something else. I'm gonna get my son in here to tell me what his story is about the Bugatti Veyron. But anyway, hope you're doing great. Thanks for listening. Check out my other podcast episodes. Go out and buy yourself a Heaven's Nice, Been There Twice book by Tim Havoncheck. He's a PGA Master Professional. It's available on Amazon. And have at it.
Have a great time. Thanks for listening and enjoy that book. Keep it relevant out there. Never wear your golf shoes on the practice green. Thanks again. Four, please. The Naked Golfist now driving.